Well, good morning again. You know, as we uh, prepare for this season, prepare for Christmas and Christmas Day tomorrow, there's certain things about it that, that, uh, that remind us of different times in our lives, of different uh, stages that we go through as, uh, as we grow up and we're, we're children, and then we go off and we go to school or we get married, and then we have kids, and, and we see this whole cycle work. But there's something about Christmas that, uh, that is very, especially in America, is very centering, that we are, all of us, are celebrating Christmas the next couple of days. And one of the things that we think about, if, the, if, the, uh, if my helpers will put up the nativity scene, one of the things that we think about in the Christmas season is the nativity scene, that, uh, that that is something that we've celebrated and has been part of Christmas for many years. Uh, this is actually the 800th birthday of the nativity scene. It was first um, created or thought up in 1223 by St. Francis of Assisi. In 800 years, they're having some special uh, services, some special celebrations uh, over in Italy uh, during this, this season, during this time. And I thought that was cool that this is 800 years that we've been celebrating Christ's birth through the nativity. He's credited with the first one. And he, what, he, what he did is back in 1219 or 1220, and I know some of you think, well, that was a long time ago. Yes, it was a long time ago. 1219 or 1220, he had, had done, a, uh, done a, um, a pilgrimage of faith to Jerusalem because he wanted to be reminded of Christ and what happened that night. And it says on, on, on his return to Greccio, wanting to bring people closer to their faith through the memory of Christ's birth, he decided to recreate the atmosphere of Jesus's birth scene in the year's Christmas celebrations. So at that time, in 1223, he created the first nativity scene. On, on December 24th, he organized a midnight mass that included a reenactment of the event. The villagers playing parts of Mary and Joseph. There was a rag doll as a baby. St. Francis even brought along an ox and a donkey to complete the image of Jesus being born in a barn. His aim was to educate and inspire the villagers of Greccio about the celebration of Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, not just as a historical event, but as something real that they could imagine and believe in. And I, for one, am thankful that he had that sort of, uh, uh, had, had that sort of idea or that sort of creativity to, to do this. Because the, the nativity scene has always meant something to me through Christmas. I tell you about my, my grandmother and my grandfather. I can always remember, for some reason, they never had a full Christmas tree. They always had the half tree, meaning it was sitting on a table and uh, you know, they had stuff around it. But right next to the tree was the nativity scene. And I can remember as a child going and, and, and touching the, the different elements of the nativity and, and moving things around. But every time I went back, it was always back in the same way that it was before I messed with it, right? So grandmother, she, she knew what I was doing. She knew what I was up to. But this is, this is uh, historically, this is how we celebrate with the nativity scene. Jesus is at the middle. The animals are on the side, the shepherds around, the kings, the magi, and then Mary and Joseph. 
So those are, the, those are the main people that we know that were a part of the nativity scene, that were part of that first nativity. And uh, this has been a staple in our Christmas celebrations for so many years. Um, there have been movements in recent years to remove uh, public uh, displays of Christmas or Christianity all over the country. And, and that's a, that's, it's, it's unnerving, it's, it's sad, and it, it makes us kind of look and go, well, where is our country going? Where are we heading to? But what I wanna challenge you with this morning is let's not worry so much about what everybody else is doing with the nativity scene, but what are we doing with the nativity scene? Amen. How is it? My question is, how is it set up in you? In, a, in the deep south where we are in, in South Carolina, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, I think pretty much everybody who's born and raised here would say that, you know, God plays some role in their life, that Jesus does play some role in their life. And they just, they more or less include him just a little bit. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to be ones that just include Jesus. We want to be ones that have Jesus at the center of what we're doing. Go to the next image for me. Some people wanna do this. Some people, this is, this is one thing that I used to do because I liked having the shepherds. I think it's the next image. I thought the shepherds were cool. And so I would put the shepherds in the middle so that everybody was looking at the shepherds. I always thought, you know, well, you know, they're the ones, they were, they were up all night, they were pulling an all-nighter. And in some ways, the, the idea of the shepherds kind of makes us think about our jobs, kind of makes us think about our our schooling, it thinks of the things that we identify ourselves with outside of our home. And that the shepherds here, you know, they were, they were pulling an all-nighter. They were working. We know that the, when the angel came to visit them, that, that it was late, that, it was, that they, have, they were watching over their flocks. And uh, we have to be careful, though, that we don't put so much emphasis on our jobs because our jobs, when it comes down to it, our jobs don't put a lot of emphasis on us. I'll let that sink in for a minute. That's something that I learned, you know, I learned at a young age, uh, watching my, my parents both worked and, and watching them, you know, go and come and, and to be moved or, or unmoved by their, by their working situation. We find so much of our identity in the things that we do outside of the home. We find so much of our identity in what we're doing 40 hours plus a week sometimes that we have to be careful that we're not allowing that to move us and how we approach life and how we deal with life. Uh, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it doesn't look right to have your job be the first thing. And to be honest with you, it can't save, solve all of your problems. Amen. Your job can't solve all of your problems. It doesn't have the power to. Go to the next slide where we move and we put the wise men. So the wise men, we know, we know that they came and uh, they, they had been studying the stars and studying everything that was going on during that time. And so they knew that something was happening. They knew from the natural realm, they understood, oh my gosh, there is something big that's going to happen tonight. And, but sometimes if we put, if we think about, well, you know, we wanna think about wisdom or we wanna think about um, fame or we wanna think about fortune, money, we, we wanna say that, that we'll start uh, putting those things to be the focus of our, of our life. You know, I wanna grow up and I wanna be rich or I wanna, I wanna be able to have all the things I didn't have when I was a kid. That was a thought that I had for a long time. You know, I always thought, well, I wanna be able to have the things I didn't have when I was a, a young child. And so part of, part of your life could be, well, I'm fighting for that job. I'm fighting for that, that, that notoriety or that fame. But that's not what the nativity scene should be about. 
The nativity scene should not be about wisdom or, or finances or, or anything else, popularity or fame being the center of it all. That can't be important to us. You know, we wanna, we wanna say that uh, we really don't care what other people think about us, yet we try really hard and we spend a lot of money making sure that we have the things that everybody else has. And that's, that's, not, that's not how God designed us to be. That's not how God designed us to work. He doesn't want us going after the things that everybody else has because what that does is it tricks you up and it'll put you in debt. It'll put you uh, in financial debt. It'll put you in spiritual debt, emotional debt, physical debt. All those things that you experience during, during seasons of your life, you're like, man, I just don't feel like I'm enough. Well, that's because you're looking to these kind of things, to finances, to fame, for people to tell you you're doing, you're doing a good job instead of looking towards the one that can really help you do a good job. Our lives quickly get messed up when this is how we order it. We get into a lot of trouble when we wanna do that. The next, the next scene, the next way that we could put it is putting uh, Mary and Joseph at the center. This is, this is one that I think that is, uh, I think this is noble to say, well, I want my family first. You know, how many of you, how many of you can agree with that? I, was, I, I put my family first. Everything that I do, I do for my family. But one of the things that, that you have to be careful of is that if your family's first, then what truly strengthens you, what truly grounds you, what truly helps you, doesn't help you to be a good part of the family doesn't help you to be the person that God's called you to be in your family. You know, we think that family should be first and so we'll order our whole lives around family things, around uh, sometimes it's sports, uh, sometimes it's, you know, going to the lake or, or going on, you know, going on vacations and brother, I know we need vacations, right? There's nothing wrong with a vacation, but, but to order your whole life around those things is making those things more important than what God has doing for you or how God wants you to live or the, the place that God wants you to take in this life. One thing that putting family first is that we allow our family relationships to totally determine our attitude toward life. I mean, I don't know about you, but I get along with my family all the time, right? Yes, praise the Lord. I get along with my family all the time. But what happens is if something happens, We'll go through a time where we're just like, man, I'm bummed. My family did me wrong. I'm my, my, my you know, my so-and-so did me wrong or, or sometimes even I did somebody wrong and that will, that will affect you. Don't get, it, don't get caught into the trap of thinking that what they think matters more than anything else. Don't get caught, that's a trap. Don't get caught in the trap. Pastor Jennifer shared a couple weeks, about, a, a couple weeks ago about unforgiveness. Don't get caught into this trap where you just, I just can't, I just can't forgive that person. That's not how God created you. That's not how, that's not how he placed you here to walk on this earth. He didn't place you here to, to be a person that holds things in and holds grudges against those who love you. Those that you have no choice in the matter, but to call family. Family's important but it can't be the most important thing. Family can't give you something that only God can give you. Family can't give you something that only God can give you. Please understand, people are, people are great and God wants us around people, but people can't make you happy. 
Only God can make you happy. Only what God is doing in your life can make you happy. The last image that we look at here is if we were to take the animals and in St. Francis's day, he had the ox and the donkey. And I believe that's what we have here. Next picture, please. Yeah, it's, it's a donkey and a couple of sheep, I believe is what we have. But what we do is we put animals at the center and animals represent everything in life that brings us pleasure. Pets, thank you Lord for pets. Nothing wrong with pets, praise the Lord. Hobbies, sports teams, I've, I do have to share with you something. I got up this morning our dog does sleep in a, he has a little house. He has his own bedroom. I'm gonna call it that. He has a bedroom with a door that we lock because if he's, if he's up and he's running around, there's no telling what he's going to be doing in the middle of the night. Well, the last couple of nights, he's been a little anxious about things. And I don't know if he's getting ready for Santa Claus or what, but I heard him last night and he was kind of yelping, kind of humming, you know, making some noises. And he does this thing with his hind legs where he scratches the bottom of his cage all night long and I'm like seriously and so at 1 30 this morning because I am such a good dad dog is that right dog dad I'm sorry see I don't even say it you can't even believe me I don't even say it I don't even say it right because I'm such a good dog dad I, I'm, I'm the one that gets up in the middle of the night and takes him out so don't ever say I don't like my dog all right well this morning I did not I was like, I'm not getting up. I'm sleeping, I'm tired, my bed is warm, I'm not getting up. So he ended up getting quiet. Well, this morning I get up and I start my routine of making coffee and getting things ready in the kitchen. And I go into the living room and I look in his cage, I mean his bedroom, and the door is wide open. And he is sleeping on mama's chair. He's got a blanket puffed up around him. He's got the pillow where he's been sleeping next to the pillow. And so at 1.30 in the morning, because I didn't get up, I have no idea. We, we still haven't inspected the house to make sure nothing happened that shouldn't have happened. But sometimes our animals can be the sole focus of everything that we do. And uh, there's nothing wrong with animals being important in our life. We just don't want them to be the most important thing. And I told you that because I don't know. We just don't want them to be at the center of our life. Amen, amen. They cannot be what we live for. Our hobbies can't be what, what, what we live for. Sadly for me, football season is you know, starting to come to an end, but that can't be what I live for, right? I can't go from Saturday to Saturday because if you know me, I've been disappointed more times than not this season. Go Gamecocks. All right. But one of the things that I love, go ahead and put it back on the the first image of how the nativity is set up correctly. One of the things that I love about not just being a pastor, but being a Christian. And what, what I want, hopefully what you will get out of this is this is something that you can do also is that you can help people, we can help people. True North Church can help people truly keep the nativity set up correctly in our lives that Jesus is the center of it all. That there, and there's nothing wrong with that. There is nothing, you know, culturally we wanna say, well, we need to make Jesus fit in with all these things that we're doing, but that's not how God works. God works that he wants all the things that you're doing to hinge on what Jesus means, what Jesus is doing 
in your life. So we have an opportunity to help people reorder their lives, whether they're solely focused on their jobs or solely focused on their families or solely focused on fame or, or finances, solely focused on their hobbies and things. We wanna help them get their, get their lives back into shape so that Jesus is the reason that, they're, that they exist that they're a family, that they're who they are. So we wanna make sure that it is set up correctly, just like this. When Jesus is at the center, he can be the hub of your life. He can touch all other areas. Go to Colossians chapter one. We have this up on the screen. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 17 says in the Message Bible that we look at his son and see the God who cannot be seen. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the nativity. We're talking about 2000 years ago in a manger that we look at, look at this son and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose and everything created for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and he holds it all together right up to this moment. Right up to this moment. Jesus holds your life together right up to this moment. Something to take away from this is that Jesus shows us exactly what God looks like. He gives us all of the, the qualities, all of the attributes, all the characteristics of God. We find them in Jesus because as we know, Jesus is the word, Jesus is the son of God. We also see Jesus' humanity, that he identifies with us. He understands hurts. He understands what it means to, for somebody to, to do you wrong. My goodness, they, they, they beat him. They spat on him. They, they put a, cr a crown of thorns on his head. They made him drag his death on the back of him until he was truly sacrificed, but he did all of that for us. See, the reason that Jesus was born was that so he could die, so that he could, he could give us a way, not just to have the truth and the life, but to truly be called children of God. That is why Jesus was born. That is why Jesus was born. And so I want you to understand that, that only he can give you purpose to your life. He wants to give you purpose to all of the parts of your life, all of them. Your job is important. Your family is important. You know, uh, the things of this world, Jesus even told his disciples, he said, don't worry about that stuff. Seek me first and I will make sure that you are truly taken care of. That is putting Jesus at the center of your life. That is putting, making Jesus the hub of your life because he truly can hold it all together, all together. How does he do this? How does he do this in our lives? Now I want you to take a moment here and I want you to, to truly think about how Jesus works in your life now because we want, what we want to do is we wanna walk away from here thinking about how Jesus is gonna work in our life from here on because there can be a change. All of us have place, all of us have room in our lives to move Jesus back into the center. Maybe your life is not all a mess and in shambles, but there's certain parts of your life, you know, I would like to see that working a little bit better. I get tired of having to worry about that, or I get tired of having to feel like I'm always stretching towards that or going towards that. But what Jesus wants to do is he wants 
not just to be in your life, but he wants to be the priority of your life. Some ways that we can involve him, being involved at church, being involved uh, with, with, your local, with your local church, what you call church home. That is a way that you can involve him in everyday life. It helps you to figure out, okay, this is how, this is, these are how my gifts, these are how my, my, the things that I do the best that I love to do, I can use these for God. And, and God will actually show you not just how to do them here, but how to do them outside of here. He wants to be involved in your job. He wants to be involved in your finances, your marriage, your hurts, your hobbies. And listen, he even wants to be involved in football. But most importantly, he must be because he is more than a Sunday God. We can't compartmentalize him to just one day. And I ask you this morning, how do you open up your life? to do this, to, to pull him in so that he's touching more than just what you want him to touch because he wants to touch it all. He wants to, he wants to help you with it all. Something we can do today is, as we leave, as we get ready to go, we're going to, we're going to do communion this morning. But what I want to do before we do communion is I wanna ask you, are you one that wants to make a commitment today to make Jesus a greater part of your life? Are you one that maybe you've never asked Jesus to become your Lord? The Bible explicitly tells us that a man cannot be born again unless he makes Jesus Lord of their life. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10, that we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. That's how we're saved. That's how we receive the free gift of salvation. That free gift that was given over 2,000 years ago, that's how we receive it. That's how we take it in to our lives and begin to see the word of God start to work in our life. Maybe it's not you need to be, uh, receive salvation today, but maybe it's a, a time that you're like, you know, I've really had a bad attitude towards whatever. Today's a day that you can say, okay, God, I'm truly asking you to help me with this. I'm truly giving that over to you. I'm truly dedicating that to you. I'm truly making room for you to make this your problem and not mine. That's the relationship that God wants to have with you. One of the wonderful things about this time of year is that we can ignite, we can uh, begin to have a fresh passion towards the things of God. But I don't want you to wait till January 1st. I want you to do it today. I want you to do it in the morning when you wake up. And as exciting as it is to see the presence just to be reminded of God's presence and making that a part of your Christmas morning and helping you to live a life with greater purpose. Some things that, that I want you to remember is that everything was created by him, everything finds purpose in him, and everything is held together by him. But he wants that in your life. Does everybody have a candle? I wanna make sure everybody's...